Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. I guess we can call it Hamilton Sewage Gate 3.0. The province new Bill 124 was hurting health care in Ontario. What are the three amigos up to? New money for tourism around the Golden Horseshoe. Prince Harry continues to throw darts at his royal family. And the Bulldogs have been wheeling and dealing. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Believe it or not, there's been another years-long sewage leak in Hamilton Harbor, this time after the city found another improper connection between its sanitary sewers and storm sewers. So what's going on? Nick Winters is the director of Hamilton Water and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Nick, welcome back to the show. How are you? Thank you very much for having me. I wish we had you back on under better circumstances. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, now, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm not surprised that another leak has been found because we knew what had happened years ago with the, the previous leak. But I am, and I'm sure many people are in the same boat, pretty miffed that we're still you know, uncovering these kind of issues. So let me ask you, you know, last time we had you on the show, you called it a gut punch. Uh, is this another gut punch or is it something more? Uh, it is another one. Um, you know, I think I'm I'm disappointed as as anybody as is my team. Uh, I think the bright side of this situation uh, from yesterday is that this time we were actually looking for these types of anomalies as opposed to stumbling upon something accidentally. And so, is that search continuing? Are you going throughout the city looking for potential leaks that are still happening? It is. And this was a pilot program at this point in time to figure out what type of resources would be required to roll out a full program. Clearly, it is something that is going to be needed in our city. So now that this leak has been uncovered, what's being done to mitigate it? Have we stopped the flow already? The flow has been stopped temporarily. Uh, We do have a vacuum truck on site and it's preventing any additional discharge to the storm sewer into the harbour. But there is a a bit of a complex fix that's going to be required out there with a sewer realignment. So our teams are actually... Uh, in a meeting room working on that uh, right now uh, to figure out how that's going to happen. We're chatting about the latest years-long sewage leak in Hamilton Harbor with Nick Winters, Director of Hamilton Water, here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Do we know how big this leak was? Uh, we don't. It's it's a maximum of 11 properties that have been discharging into this sewer. Uh, we've confirmed six of those. Five of those remain to be confirmed. We uh, will calculate the number and we'll release it as soon as we're able. But I mean, just for context, I would imagine that it's it's probably about a fifth the size of what we saw with the uh, sewage leak from last November. What are some of the next steps that uh, your team is going to be undertaking? Uh, so we'll we'll figure out what a design looks like to realign the sewer and we'll stop this. Uh, we are anticipating a meeting upcoming with the Ministry of the Environment, uh, Conservation and Parks to talk about uh, the context for an order that's going to be issued to the city related to the November 22nd spill that we discovered, as well as this one. Uh, I'm sure we'll be wrapped into that. Uh, and then we'll be planning uh, recommendations for city council about what a, a more fulsome program is going to look like moving forward. Um, you know, clearly... Uh, our residents in our community deserve uh, a sewer system that meets and exceeds our expectations. And, and we need to figure out how we can ensure that that's taking place. I know this is a pilot project, as you mentioned, w- with officials going around town kind of looking for these issues. Would a permanent program, do you think, uncover more issues? Uh, unfortunately, I think it is going to, yes. Um, you know, if I compare this to our sewer lateral cross connection program, which looks for 
uh, improper connections from private property to our city sewers. That's a program that's been um, in progress for more than 10 years. And and we've had a lot of success with it. Uh, again, unfortunately, because we would hope that we wouldn't discover these issues in the first place. But I don't think that this is going to be a short-term program. I think it's going to be something that takes some time and, and does continue to uncover uh, some of these leaks. And as your team is looking at potential red flags or, or, or warning signs, is this a daily search for potential issues or is it once a week or how does it, how does it work? So at this point in time, because uh, our staff have a lot of other priorities that we can't pull them away from, uh, we've been doing this where we have staff time available uh, or using uh, staff after hours or on the weekend on overtime. Um, that is part of what we'll have to uh, put a recommendation in front of city council is, is how do we resource this in a more sustainable manner and turn it into a daily search. Nick, uh, always appreciate your time. Thanks for sharing the latest details with us here on Good Morning Hamilton. You're very welcome, Rick. Thanks for having me. That's Nick Winters, Director Hamilton Water. And over the weekend, city workers finding uh, another misconnection in the area at the base of the Wentworth Stairs. And now, as you heard, work is being done to correct it. And I'm sure in the next few days, we'll find out how much sewage was, in fact, leaked into the harbor. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Nurses now know that even the government knew internally that Bill 124 was having some kind of an impact on retaining nurses. It may not have been the only factor, but it was certainly a contributing factor, according to the, gov- uh, according to the government's own document. That song you just heard was not only the voice of Colin DeMello, Queen's Park Bureau Chief for Global News, also the sound of a bombshell. Internal documents given to Health Minister Sylvia Jones show that Bill 124 which capped the wages of those in places like hospitals and other healthcare settings, indeed contributed to the staffing crisis in Ontario's healthcare system. To no one's surprise, Dr. Doris Grinspon is the CEO of the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Dr. Grinspon, good morning. Good morning, Rick. Premier Doug Ford and his health minister knew that Bill 124 was contributing to burnout, forcing nurses and others to leave their job because they they just had enough. It stunted retention. It it stunted the attraction of new workers to places like hospitals. And they still didn't do anything about it. What the heck's going on? Outrageousness. That's what's going on because we have been speaking about it, as you know, since the bill was put in place. We spoke during the pandemic. We released report after report and surveys witnesses, and now their own documents. I mean, what else does the Premier and Minister Jones and all of the Cabinet, quite frankly, need to repeal that bill? And Rick, let's remember one more thing. They had the capacity to end the war on nurses when the court decision deemed this bill unconstitutional, and they challenged the, the government, the Premier, decided to appeal the court decision. So you are asking me what's going on. I would like to hear the premier in radio saying what's going on. Yeah, we'd love uh, that to happen as well. But uh, you and I both know that uh, they they easily sidestep media requests these days. Um, Let's talk about the criticism of Bill 124. And you just mentioned it. There has been a massive call to repeal this bill. And for, for many years now, the government, even knowing that this bill was making the healthcare system worse, it it still appealed a court decision that called the bill unconstitutional. 
I, I don't know, I guess the Ford government thought the two wrongs, in fact, make a right? It, it seems clear to me that this bill is the foundation for further privatization of health care. Do you agree? Well, that's exactly what I said yesterday when I get to the bottom of it. And why is it that they refuse to deal with the crisis in healthcare? Listen, people, not only in Ontario, people all over this country are dying. Was in the news yesterday, a woman in Nova Scotia, another woman, etc. Here, it's a tragedy, a tragedy. And here, people are waiting and waiting, and Bill 124 adds, adds to the crisis that already was existing. So... It's what's going on is absolutely outrageousness unless what they really want is to dismantle the system and then to try to put the private system. But let me be clear for the public, privatization will not only not help, will make things significantly worse. Dr. Doris Grinspun is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Dr. Grinspun is the CEO of the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario. Here, here's the other part of the equation is this is going to cost us, basically as a taxpayer base, a lot of money. In fact, probably billions of dollars to ultimately not only fix all the mistakes that this government has made in healthcare, but I'm sure that organizations like yourself are going to say, listen, we now know that the province knew Bill 124 was contributing to this crisis. We we need some, some back pay to... Uh, you know, make our members uh, feel appreciated? Well, it's going to cost much, much more to taxpayers, and it's also going to continue to cost lives. And that, to nurses, is, is unforgivable. That's what the public needs to be up in arms and start to demand from their local MPPs to basically go after the premier and say, stop this war on nurses. When Global News broke this story yesterday, what were you thinking and what are your members telling you? Well, first of all, I was not surprised because we have been sending, as you know, and I have been speaking with you in the past week, and we have been all over the media. Uh, Ongoingly, we have been saying to the premier, and the premier knew that this bill is making things worse. He knew that. He knew that. Of course, the pandemic has made things worse for all healthcare workers everywhere. And in Ontario, on top of that, he put a bill that not only he put a bill, he also decided when the court said it's unconstitutional to challenge that. So uh, the premier, uh, I don't know how he can sleep with a pillow. I don't know how he can sleep at night. Dr. Grinspun, really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. That is Dr. Doris Grinspun, CEO of the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario. It's a head shaker. It's an absolute head shaker on a number of fronts. <laughs> because when the health minister stands up at these news conferences and takes Q&As on Bill 124, knowing, again, knowing this were internal documents that were in a transition binder given to her. And and these new ministers, when they take on these portfolios, get this information, get these binders that showcase the inner workings of the ministry, key issues that they may be expected to handle, decision-making frameworks that the government of the day wants the minister to follow. And so knowing that, let's not forget this, 
this provincial government shuffled its inner circle, the cabinet, many months ago. They've known for many months that Bill 124 indeed contributed to the staffing crisis in our health care system. They've known for many months that they could have changed the narrative. They could have done something different. They could have not appealed the court's ruling that this bill was unconstitutional. And even knowing what they know, they said, no, we'll still appeal it. <laughs> I, I don't know where to go. It's, it's a head scratcher. It's a head shaker. And maybe even more than that, it's going to affect our pocketbook. Because nurses associations, healthcare organizations are going to think, well, you knew this is contributing to the staffing crisis. We could not hire anybody else. Uh, you know, hundreds of job openings in local healthcare industries. And now we know why. And a huge part of it is Bill 124, and this province has to do something about it. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. I understand he wants to uh, put more of an emphasis on the state-owned energy uh, companies, but uh, it has to be done in a responsible way and in a way that understands that he's a part of NAFTA and he has to abide by those rules. That is the voice of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau as we welcome you back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Yeah, the North American Leaders Summit, or the so-called Three Amigos Summit, is underway. And then There's some pretty big issues for the U.S., Canada, Mexico to hammer out over the next, well, several hours. Mackenzie Gray is a national reporter with Global News and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Mackenzie, how are you? Morning. Uh, Trudeau is going to sit down with U.S. President Joe Biden today for what's going to be the first time since last uh, last summer's Summit of the Americas. What's on the agenda today? Yeah, for the three of them, when he's sitting down with Lopez Obrador, Biden, and Mr. Trudeau as well. I think the biggest issue for the Prime Minister is going to be getting heard in this situation. You know, we know the Americans and the Mexicans have a lot more issues than the Mexicans Americans have with Canada. And I think we're going to see that reflected in the major topics they get focused on. Certainly the White House is interested in talking about immigration. Uh, with the Republicans winning the House of Representatives, uh, we know that immigration is going to be a much bigger issue that's brought up. And we've seen Biden kind of refocus energy on that. He was just down at the border uh, with Mexico, down in Texas. Uh, and he's going to be talking about Lopez Obrador about making sure that uh, Mexico actually gets some Central American immigrants coming to there, too, to make sure they don't just go straight into the U.S. Uh, one thing we know that Justin Trudeau is going to be in agreement with Joe Biden on uh, is trying to limit the spread of uh, fentanyl in particular from Mexico that comes up. Uh, Mexico is a big, you know, a lot of fentanyl comes from Mexico. So that's an important thing uh, as well. And then to the clip that you played uh, coming into that, you know, the prime minister and the Americans, uh, for that matter, too, are fairly upset with how the Mexicans are dealing with uh, energy companies. We've heard Lopez Obrador, the Mexican president, talk about how uh, he wants to nationalize a lot of companies. He's done that in certain circumstances. Canadians and Americans uh, both think that uh, those countries, uh, companies that do business in Mexico aren't being treated fairly. And in particular with the war in Ukraine, uh, every Western country is looking for ways to make sure that uh, energy prices stay as low as possible in this situation. But, you know, really the key thing is making sure that this trip for Justin Trudeau isn't an opportunity to get some sun, but actually get some business done with the two leaders. Is there a goal or, or a win that he has to take back home? Not necessarily. I mean, I think any time that you meet with the leaders like this, it's a positive forum, and, and there will be definitely things to get brought up. You know, there's, there's conversations about trade that will be having, uh, not necessarily on the energy front, but uh, overarchingly. You know, we heard Justin Trudeau talking yesterday about how, you know, we almost lost NAFTA, referencing uh, obviously, the drawn-out negotiations when Donald Trump was president and then the kind of new NAFTA that's come into place. You know, I, I do think he wants to take a victory lap on that. That was a big overarching win for him when, you know, we look back in the history books. I think that will be something that uh, Justin Trudeau is remembered for. And I think 
he wants Canadians especially down in your neck of the woods in southwestern Ontario where NAFTA plays an important role for a lot of trade with the U.S. to remember that he was the guy that saved that agreement, which is important to the Canadian economy. And he's got a meeting with Joe Biden today. I think one of the things that he'll be talking about uh, in his morning bilateral meeting with Joe Biden is trying to get him to come to Canada. It's been a tradition where the American president comes to Canada first for his first visit. And Trump never showed up. Biden hasn't come yet. Uh, and I know the PMO really wants uh, Biden to come here. So I think that would be a big win for him to get a firm date of some kind uh, for a bilateral meeting with Biden coming to Ottawa. Uh, by American, obviously still a major issue. Uh, I, I, I really don't see America's stance on this changing. Will there be discussions focused on that? I mean, trade is always a key thing that gets brought up. And, you know, you would imagine if the U.S. economy does head into recession, there'll be some kind of stimulus package. That's usually the general playbook. And Obviously, if you want that passed through the House in a, a Republican House, you're going to want Buy America portions in there, too. And even on the kind of further left of the Democratic Party, you know, like on the Bernie Sanders side, we see those Buy America provisions being popular with that side, too. I mean, the one protection that Justin Trudeau has uh, is these NAFTA, you know, dispute mechanisms that are in place to make sure that, uh, you know, there's fair dealings for all three countries at play. That's the same kind of, those kind of provisions are the same ideas that, they're bringing up about the energy companies in Mexico, too. So Buy America is always an issue. I think the bigger thing that Justin Trudeau and the, the Liberals always go on about here in Ottawa is about electric vehicles. You know, they were able to really successfully, uh, they spent a lot of time going after the Biden administration uh, during the last budget that was put in down there. There were going to be a bunch of uh, tax credits for electric vehicles and other incentives. They were worried that was going to drive a lot of business away from southwestern Ontario and move it just down to Michigan. I think the goal for them is to make sure that the same relationship that Michigan has with southwestern Ontario right now when it comes to building, you know, combustion engine cars stays in place with electric vehicles. Justin Trudeau will drive that home by saying, look, we're really trying to pump up the amount of critical minerals that we make that helps not only with batteries for cars, but also chips that I know Joe Biden's really putting a lot of energy into doing to try to pull away from China on that front. So it's a lot of moving pieces down there, but Buy America certainly is a part of that. Mackenzie, thanks for spending some time with us on this, and uh, good luck with the rest of the summit. Thanks. That is Mackenzie Gray, national reporter with Global News. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Federal government yesterday announcing a pretty big investment in tourism and infrastructure to the tune of $7.5 million to help well, I, I guess the goal is to help grow the economy around the Golden Horseshoe, Hamilton included. Philomena Tassi is the minister responsible for the Federal Economic Development Agency for Southern Ontario, a Liberal MP for Hamilton West, Ancaster Dundas, and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Ms. Tassi, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Rick. Very well. How about yourself? I, I'm great, and, and it's great to hear that some federal dollars are being spent in the community. What should we expect this money to be spent on? So there's 31 projects that the 7.5 million is going to support. You know, really happy for Hamilton because some amazing uh, projects and organizations are going to be supported. So, for example, the Art Gallery of Hamilton is going to receive 750,000 to update the lobby and to make their space more accessible. And this is so important because we want to attract as many visitors as, as possible and create open and welcoming spaces. So this funding will help them. St. Matthew's House, 250000 You know, St. Matthew's House, um, Renee's doing a great job there in, in offering programs for children and for seniors. Uh, the announcement was actually made at uh, DBSA, the Dundas Valley School of Art. 
And although the money that DBSA is getting is not as much, it's 54000 but it's what they asked for, uh, it's the impact. They are going to create a, uh, and improve the garden space that they have um, as, as you walk into DBSA. And this is so good, Rick, because, you know, they're experiencing record numbers of registrants, uh, students that are, that are coming in the summer, but also uh, seniors and people of all ages throughout the, uh, throughout the year. And so this space um, is, is going to be enhanced. So these are some of the measures. I mean, we also have the YMCA. They needed uh, work with respect to infrastructure in order to continue their programs. Like they were in a place where they were saying, look, we can't keep offering the programs because the infrastructure is in such disrepair. Roof restoration, windows, you know, not the sexiest stuff, but really needed in order to continue the programs. They're receiving over 561000 and uh, the YWCA constructing um, uh, a drop-in center for vulnerable women and a drop-in space. So these are some of the things. Another one, Kiwanis, they're going to construct an accessible public parkette on Sanford, Hamilton Olympic Club, uh, bleachers and creating a shade area at the Ray Lewis track, uh, Green Venture. They're going to they're uh, replace some pavement in three sites on Barton Street. The Workers' Art and Heritage Center is going to renovate a custom house. So sorry to do the litany, but there's just you know there's one better than there's one better than the next. So I think it's important that your listeners are aware of the amazing things that are happening in Hamilton to transform spaces. With any federal government or any government investment, you want to see a return on investment. So how does this help grow the economy? Is it just through tourism dollars? Well, so there's two uh, programs here that are that have been COVID specific. So the federal government created uh, five COVID-specific programs. One of them is the Tourism Relief Fund. So the whole idea there, of course, is to uh, help tourism businesses recover and strengthen. So yes, that's about attracting visitors. So when you look at investments like uh, that at the Art Gallery of Hamilton, when you make it more accessible, it's fantastic because, you know, Shelley wants as many people as possible to get there. And I know she's uh, opening it up and having students come from schools. So this is going to help strengthen the the, uh, the the tourists and attract more tourists and make it more open and accessible. The other fund is the um, is the revitalization fund, and this is one that is really making infrastructure investments to strengthen communities and to promote local economic development. At the end of the day, I mean, it's my ministry, right? The name says it all. It's economic development. So the federal government is really looking to make investments that are going to offer return that are essentially actualizing potential in communities that lead to growth and job creation. And each and every one of these is about that. And, of course, there's benefit, right? Like it's the enjoyment that communities have the um, enjoyment aspect, bringing people out, you know, with these park spaces, with uh, there's lights on, on, on uh, walkways that are being implemented across the Golden Horseshoe region, um, uh, community centers, all of that, but essentially the investments are targeted to those that ultimately are going to lead to economic growth and job creation. We only got about 30 seconds. Is there a target on that job creation number? Are we talking dozens? Are we talking hundreds? Well, with respect to, and it depends on each of these. I mean, in the five programs that the federal government has created with respect to responding to to COVID, uh, the COVID pandemic, there are thousands of jobs that are being created as a result of these. And some of them are more specific. I'm on my way to Toronto now. We're going to announce um, uh, out of the Jobs and Growth Fund, some funding for businesses. 
So it's always the focus of the government. Let's see what sort of economic development we can create and how many jobs we can create. And I just want to say to Hamiltonians, you know, I am so grateful for the amazing work that organizations across the city are doing because the potential is fantastic because they are putting their heart and soul into their into their uh, various initiatives that they've created. And we as a federal government want to support that. And the success lies in the passion that they bring to this. And I'm so grateful to be uh, able to assist in this regard and to um, bring that potential to life in Hamilton. Minister Tassi, uh, thank you for your time this morning and safe travels to Toronto. Thank you, Rick. Always a pleasure. Philomena Tassi is the minister responsible for the Federal Economic Development Agency for Southern Ontario, also Liberal MP for Hamilton West and Castor Dundas. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. I don't want history to repeat itself. I do not want to be a single dad. And I certainly don't want my children to have a life without a mother or a father. Forgiveness is 100% a possibility because I would like to get my father back. I would like to have my brother back. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. Prince Harry's new memoir is out. It's called Spare. And he's been conducting, well, numerous interviews, sharing stories and tidbits about uh, life and, uh, well, some of the rifts within the royal family and really throwing some darts at the British tabloids as well. Here to talk about it is Kate Carnegie, founder of KC Media, and joins us now on GMH. Kate, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me on, Rick. What do you make of what Harry is doing here? Oh, wow. That's the loaded question everyone's wondering right now. You know what? I think good on him. Here is uh, a man who was a boy who grew up and now what we're all learning was called the institution who was taught to walk a certain way and talk a certain way and think a certain way and went through the death of his mother at age 12 years old and, you know, found the love of his life and is trying to keep what he says his family safe and have a life where he can be free. And so, you know, he has moved on. He's now moved to the United States. And I think from a communication standpoint or public relations standpoint, it's really interesting because while his favorability has fallen to an all-time low pretty much in Britain, in American, with the American public, Canadian public, you know, he's still got some positive numbers because for the most part, you know, he has turned now to become kind of that Hollywood society, that Hollywood royalty as opposed to British royalty. And you know what? He's doing a great job from this end of it. Across the pond, not so much, but strictly from an image standpoint, he is rebuilding himself on this side and showing that, yep, he is going to make money. He needs to be financially independent from his family. And of course, this is about money. And of course, this is staged. And he doesn't seem to be unapologetic about anything. If anything, he's saying, this is it. This is me. This is exactly what you're going to get for the first time ever without any kind of leaks or any kind of twists. And, uh, you know, I think we're all kind of captivated by what's happening at the moment. His critics are certainly pointing to, listen, this is just a money grab. This is sour grapes against the royal family, against the British press, which didn't treat him uh, very well or didn't treat, you know, certain members of the family very well either. What what do you say to that? Well, you know what? I mean, of course this is a money grab. I mean, what everybody needs money to live. And if you actually just strip it away and look at it as here is a person who 
was born into a family that he had, you know, no choice of. The real public really have no real idea of what it's like living in the palace until, you know, we we see such shows like The Crown or we, uh, you know, watch the Netflix series or now you can read the book. I mean, a lot of people don't remember of a certain age group all of the information from back when Diana died and when Diana was trying to get her messaging out. So here's Harry, he's saying, here's my message. And yeah, it's gonna be about money. How else is how else are they gonna live? That's the thing, Megan was already financially independent before she met Harry, Very doing very well as an actress, um, an advocate. And so, I mean, I think that they are saying to their, to, to the naysayers, well, you know, hey, I. I'm, he's saying, I'm a father, I've got two kids, I've got a wife, I now live in the States, and I need to make money somehow. So I don't, I don't think you're going to get any kind of apology from them for, for doing what most people need to do, which is get out there and work. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Kate Carnegie, founder of KC Media, and we're chewing on the latest book, or the new book, by Prince Harry that exposes uh, some rifts within the royal family. And one of the stories that he does tell, and he's been telling it in uh, the variety of interviews that he's been doing, is uh, a tussle between himself and Will. How much damage do you think this is going to inflict on uh, William's legacy, Kate's profile? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, Rick. And it's going to, we're just going to have to wait and see how this plays out. And I mean, the, the palace is notorious for staying silent. So that's going to be the telling point is when we wait and see what happens. But of course, if again, you take away the celebrity of all of this, here's two brothers, and Harry talks about it, there's always been that kind of air and spare, and that bit of, um, competition between the two and no one wants to be fighting with a sibling let alone you know these two two of the probably most famous brothers in the world so of course there's going to be a rift there and i think that harry explained it really well to anderson cooper when he said i want to talk to my brother i want to talk to my dad but he doesn't trust that that conversation is going to be kept public or kept private and that the information won't be leaked through to the British press, which is something that for most of the world and even for I'm a former journalist as well, I had no idea the the lengths that the British press A would go to, but B are connected to the royal family. So I think there's, you know, there's going to be irreparable damage here. And in terms of what that means for William, well, I think we've got a lot of time to see how that plays out because he's not king right now. But what this means for the royal family and as as a whole and, you know, their likability, whether it's just in Britain, the rest of the world, in America, um, I think that's going to be the interesting the interesting part. And at some point, William is going to have to come out and address something how they do it i'm not sure but it'll be it'll be small and they will hope that this blows over you know within the years to come when when he is going to be king it's going to be interesting to watch kate thanks for breaking it down with us and joining with us uh, today here on good morning hamilton all right anytime that's kate carnegie founder of kc media you're listening to the good morning hamilton podcast from 900 chml it is a big day today in the ontario hockey league and you're probably thinking well what What's going on? Playoffs aren't starting yet. No, today is the OHL trade deadline, 
And if you've been paying attention to the Hamilton Bulldogs, you will know that they have been very busy retooling their roster for the future. And the architect behind all these moves is Matt Turek, the general manager of the Hamilton Bulldogs, who joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Matt, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you guys doing? Uh, good. This is your first go-round as general manager of the Dogs. What has it been like for you negotiating all these trades? Hello, Matt. Do we have you? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, good there morning. you go. How are you, Rick? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. Uh, now that we've stick-handled through the phone issue, what's it been like for you as a rookie GM negotiating all these trades? Because you've, you've already participated in a, in a handful of moves. Well, it, it's been... Um... It, it, it's been different for sure. It, it, I've sat in through the trade deadline uh, with uh, my former boss, Steve Steos, uh, I think for the last six years. And, you know, I, it, it always, you know, you sit back and you're going through it and you're watching and uh, you think you're a part of it. And then you get into the big chair and, and it is different. It's, it's a lot more, there's a lot more pressure. Um, you know, there, there's a lot more stress. There's a lot more emotion. Like, the players that uh, that we have here that uh, that we did trade, you know, we're part of a, a, a championship team, and we were drafted here, and you be, you have this emotional connection, and they have their teammates. It's, it's one big family here at the Bulldogs, but um, you know, it is a cycle, and they won a championship here. And you know, when we talked to them about our plans, you know, for the future, you know, we and we gave them the option whether they could stay or, or go try to win another championship, and some guys earn a pro contract. That's kind of uh, the direction that they chose, and, and we were we were supportive of that. So it's a cycle of the league. Uh, we had three overagers that uh, that can't come back next year, and um, you know we traded a lot of draft picks and young players for uh, players like uh, Mason McTavish and Arbor Jackey last year to win our championship. And we needed to replenish and start fresh for our next championship run. One of the major pieces that has left Hamilton uh, was Captain Logan Morrison, um, the, the leading scorer from last year, one of the uh, all-time great playoff performances last year as well in the OHL playoffs with a point in each and every playoff game. You obtained six draft picks from the Ottawa 67s. What was it like putting that deal together, knowing that uh, you guys are sending Logan to a, to a different team? <laughs> Another difficult move. <laughs> and... Um, you know, like Logan, you mentioned it. Like it, that might be a record. He had a point in every playoff game and every Memorial Cup game. Uh, he was a playoff MVP, even over Mason McTavish. Uh, unbelievable kid, unbelievable hockey player. He doesn't have a pro contract, and so I, you know, we thought uh, Ottawa might be the best fit for him, and and he was thankful for that. But it, it was difficult because, as an overage, you're only allowed three on three per team. So sometimes the value um, is is limited uh, based because you can only have uh, a maximum of three players. But with Logan, he was such a good player that it drove the market up to six draft picks, which uh, will definitely help us, uh, you know, replenish what we gave up for uh, players on the championship run. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Matt Turek, the general manager of the Hamilton Bulldogs, as the OHL trade deadline arrives today. Other players that have been sent to other teams via the trade, uh, Avery Hayes, Gavin White, earlier this year, Marco Constantini, George Diaco, Ryan Humphrey. How, how do you make these moves yet still kind of retain the identity of the franchise? Well, I think it's it's important that there are still guys that can carry over 
you know, what, what we had before. And, you know, we've identified a couple leaders, you know, Lawson Shirk, Artem Grushnikov, Patrick Thomas, and some younger players too, um, just to, that were part of it and uh, that, can, that can continue it. And we did it four years ago too. We had to make many moves um, after the last championship and moving Mackenzie Antwistle and Brandon Sagan and, and Jack Hanley. You know, after that run, it was, uh, it was difficult then too. But we had guys that could carry, kind of carry the torch and, and pass it to the next guys. And we, we still have that in Hamilton. But uh, it's important that, you know, our, our bulldog character is, will always be there, whether we're younger, you know, and, and guys are starting to learn that. But, you know, I, I do believe that, uh, that we have the right guys and uh, through the trades uh, and the right character um, that people will see that, hey, you know, this is an exciting young team and we're going to build around. Well, one of those exciting young players who is coming to Hamilton from London, Ben Bujol, the former first-round draft pick back in 2020. What can you tell us about Ben? Ben, former, like like you said, a former first-round pick. He's a, one of three first-round picks we just picked up. Um, ben has a, a lot of pace. His compete level, work ethic is is unbelievable. The one thing in, in the OHL, is, it, it's very hard to get opportunity. And depending on where you go, um, what team you get or, or get drafted to, uh, Ben, for whatever reason, just didn't get a lot of opportunity to, to be a point producer. So, you know, we identified that and said, hey, listen, you know what, what, what would happen if we got this guy and, uh, and traded for him? You know, kind of the right timing where he could fit maybe, uh, you know, in, into our couple of our top lines. And if we gave him opportunity, you know, maybe he produces any, uh, and, and gets back to the player he was in minor hockey. So that uh, the kid loves hockey. You know, obviously he was a first round pick three years ago. That skill doesn't go away. I think it's just he just needs uh, an opportunity, and, and we're at the stage right now we can provide that. We have a minute to go with uh, Matt Turek, general manager of the Hamilton Bulldogs. Today is OHL trade deadline day. So the question is, Matt, are you done? Well, <laughs> I'd like to be done. It's just. Um, you know, with um, I, I'm not a hundred percent just based on what's still out there. If there's a move that we can make that'll help us in the future, we'll look at it. But um, it's 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 difficult to say right now because there's uh, 19 other teams do, trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit hypothetical. Um, it's not like we're trying to um, you know sell uh, you know or, or trying to make something off every player. The biggest moves we made, I think, were you know were partially because of our direction and because of our players' wishes. Well, it'll be fun to watch uh, for the next uh, few hours or so, and certainly uh, the future looks a little bright with all these uh, draft picks and prospects coming to Hamilton. Matt, uh, thanks for the time today, and good luck going forward. Appreciate it, Rick. That's Matt Turek, the general manager of the Hamilton Bulldogs. Hamilton hosting Guelph tomorrow night at First Ontario Centre. They're in Ottawa and Kingston this coming weekend. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.